Scott Hurtai. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are talking about the conclusion to the Throne of Glass series, Kingdom of Ash by Sarah J. Mass. Man, it has been a journey. <clears throat> Long time coming to this book. Uh, in this one, everyone comes back together. We've got uh, Aelin finally getting away from Maeve. Um, and everyone kind of coming together, all the big battles happening, lots of fighting, lots of love triangles coming, not love triangles, and, and everyone <laughs> getting married, and, and uh, you know. Finally. Yeah, and uh, good triumphing over evil, and, and what's going to happen with the Vogue, and parallel universes, etc. A lot of things happen in this, but at the same time, a lot of things happen in this. How to see it at that? It's it's hard to give a brief summary of this because there's so much does happen, but and it's hard to summarize the stuff without you know like getting into the actual story of it because it's all it, it's the end to a lot of very complex weaving storylines. So, but uh, it's a it's a climax book. So if you you're familiar with big battles, this is it. So how about, I'll go first, what I thought of this book. I uh, really enjoyed this book because of, of all the ramping up and everything. I will say, though, as much as I took in this book every time, and I'm going to sound like Jim here, every time I went to pick it up again, I thought, I only got that far? <laughs> There's that much left <laughs> of the book. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll be done reading in time. And then, like, I feel like I spent all my free time reading this book. And it was, you know, a couple of days to recording. And I was like, Man, I'm not going to be ready. I don't know how I'm going to finish this book. <laughs> so, um, but I did enjoy my time with it. I, it, I thought that it very su- successfully wrapped things up. There were... Um, some pretty big surprises in it for me, um, especially with uh, like the sealing of the door. I expected that to be um, kind of like the finale or or the big thing with a lot more sacrifice. And they, they kind of handle it in the middle of the book, which I thought was really interesting because it left a, a lot of things kind of up in the air uh, for the rest of this, the, the book to go. So, But overall, I thought it was a really, really nice ending. I felt like my time with these characters was well invested. Very nice. Very nice. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, So I'll go. Yeah. So a fitting conclusion to this series. Um, I, I liked it. Um, There were some tough parts for me to get through the, Queen Maeve and her torturing of of, of Aelin, that was rough. Um, to Sarah J. Moss's credit, she does a phenomenal job in her descriptive writing, uh, making it very easy to visualize when someone's being tortured. Um, and so I found that at times it get difficult. Um, you know, and... Um, yeah, perhaps similarly with some of the sex scenes as well, for that matter. But, you know, it was very much, um, she's a phenomenal writer as far as being able to describe. And there were some beautiful moments. I think for me, you know, uh, liking this book, um, I was glad when it was done. Um, part of me wanted to know a little bit more, like after the flowers and the fields, right, that happened at the very end. Like I kind of wanted to know like a little bit more beyond the future. And whenever a book leaves me wanting more, 
Um, even though there's been a clear conclusion, I think that's a good sign for me. Um, so this story was intriguing. It captured me and, um, and I did like it. That's my initial impression. Jim, you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> Absolutely. Someone's got to be the rant master. Well, I'll tell you what I hated every freaking page of all 987 pages wow. of this book. Oh, wow. You didn't have to read it I, twice. I will never, ever read another book by this author again. Oh, wow. Okay? I started reading this book and it took me, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days of my vacation <laughs> that he will never get back <laughs> that I will not get back. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll tell you what the, I read the first 74 pages and it said 7.52% of the book done. And it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, seriously though, it, it, I it, it I had to slog through this book. I had to make myself read it. Uh, it you know, the, a whole lot of talky-talky interspersed with a few great battles and then more boom chicka wah all the way through and these two pairing off and those two pairing off and they had a fight and they got back together and it... You know, I, I enjoyed the battle scenes. I really did. I thought they were well-written and I, I did enjoy them. Um, as a matter of fact, one of those is one of my favorite points of plot. But I'll tell you what. I mean, this book was about three times as long as it needed to be. It was... She definitely padded it out by like doing what I said with that kind of what could have been the climax for the series in the center of it and then leaving all of this uh, empty stuff to go. So Yeah. And then the end and everyone and everyone lived happily ever after. And it was like <laughs> so cliche I wanted to throw the thing except well, I not checked it everyone out. lived happily ever after. Well no, the Volgal died. Well and her <laughs> second and like and, and like um the second in command for the witches like died, sacrificed herself. Well, yeah, but everyone that was left lived happily ever after and the flowers bloomed and everything. And it was like Camelot. Well, of course, everyone that was left lived happily ever after all the rest <laughs> were dead. They couldn't yeah, live happily. Because ever. they, because they taxed the living crap out of the rest of everybody to rebuild <laughs> all the destruction that took place. <laughs> And there was considerable destruction. Yeah. Well, so I guess my question is, uh, for you guys, you know, we, we've talked about these books now to Agnosium. This is book eight in a you know in an eight book series, right? Um as we look through the list here of people uh, of people, and I guess people in places, um are there people that we want to talk about either new developments in or that kind of stuck out with us? Are there new characters that we need to hit or do we need to run through the whole list again? I guess is my question. I, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, we've talked about these characters every show. And I think those that have read it know them and those that have been listening know who we're talking about and um, I would say the I, don't only, know I would say the only Go thing ahead. is there are some development within these characters that is interesting, right? Um, that may be worth us talking about, but those are more points of plot, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that any of the characters really grow or change all that much. I think this this book really is the culmination of all the growth and change they've had in the past and them now acting. Them. Well, who's the, who is Aelin's brother? I forget. Adrian. Okay. Oh, right. So Adrian, awesome. like the, like he 
him working with um, the shape changer, I thought was that was interesting. Mm-hmm. He does have growth with his accepting his father too. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there's well, you know the the thing is is it's like I made the list: good guys and bad guys. <laughs> and 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 the good guys basically everybody came together. Yeah. Yeah. And and every and I mean they came from all over the place uh to join up and and defeat the bad guys. Basically May uh Maeve and Erewhon. They even brought like Entire races of people that they just like kind of mentioned in the background one time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, remember the elves that we said disappeared? Well, here they are with their wolves. Yeah. Right. Like, what? They did that with the Krakens too, right? Yeah. Well, at least the Krakens had a little bit more of like a build up with the whole trying to get one over to uh, Manon being their queen and everything. But yeah, uh, yeah, but not not exactly to the extreme of. She's like, oh yeah, I, I, this whole time I was painting a an, um, a marker on the ground to uh, teleport this whole race of people that we haven't even talked about here. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Aelin had a lot of changes physically, not necessarily character-wise in this. I mean, she, in closing the portal, she lost majority of her magic. She stuck mm-hmm. in her fae form. I'm assuming that means that she's immortal now. I can't remember if they actually defined that or not. Um, but she's not nearly the powerhouse that she once was. And same with uh, Dorian. I mean, he was like, I thought this was cool because he, he's he's coming out. He's finally being this powerhouse, like rogue wizard type character. And then he basically winds up losing almost all of his abilities as well, trying to shut the, the door down. So he's not nearly the powerhouse he is. And I guess they had to do that to make these characters kind of believably have their happy ever after without making them dictators or whatever. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they put out a lot of power throughout those battles. And it, it, it's not surprising that they probably used up a lot of what they had stored. Well, yeah, but specifically when they close the, when they close those gates, it takes their, like it takes their power away, which is why Aelin doesn't burn people like in the final battle. And Dorian only really shape shifts and doesn't really do much else. Yeah. Cause they got rid of, they like legitimately lost their ability to, to use magic. Yeah. Well, should we run through this thing? Yeah, uh, let's do that. Story or- All right. So, uh, there's two epilogues in here. In one, uh, Aelin is being held captive and being tortured. And in another, Rowan is searching for his, for her and has been for two months. Comments? Uh, you know, I said what it said about the torture scene. I think the torture scene was rough for me. Yeah. Well, that went on through into the book quite a ways. And yes, yeah, about partway through the book. So it, it was brutal, very brutal. Yeah. Uh, it, it, descriptions. To, to, to its benefit, it really developed. You really began to hate Maeve as a result of it. Like she, before this, yeah, she was evil and they painted her, but this really made her, this really made her the evil queen that you hated. Yeah. And, uh, she, does like not only defines but then follows through with like the PTSD kind of stuff between her, both the uh, Aelin and um, and Rowan. And, no, the the one that's the wolf. I can't remember his name. Oh, oh yeah, Dennis. yeah. I keep trying to think. Of, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Fabian, but that's not it. <laughs> I think it's Fenris. I think. Yeah. But yeah, the guy who can turn into the wolf, whose brother gets killed in front of him, and yeah, uh, well, he's sitting, he's sitting there witnessing all this torture going on too. Yeah, he's forced to. Yeah. 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 
I'll see if I can look up the name. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, you know what? That that, that whole that whole follow through though is well done. I mean, when you go through torture and you see someone that kind of watches like that, the way that carries out throughout. She's not just tortured and they let it go. And okay, she's just back to being out. No, this this impacts her, and I think that's one of the things that Sarah J. Moss did really well. Yeah, yeah. Even just impacts the way that she interacts with people, or her fear of using her magic because they burned her. Right, it was like her magic being used against her, like that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, but it was really well done. Yeah. So, what's the next thing we got here for story points? So, after she escapes, go ahead. I was just looking for that for that name, but I'm not finding it right off the bat. So, I'll just let that go. Yeah. All right. So she escapes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not we we go from that. We go right to Manon. Or Manon, I guess, yeah, Manon. and her troop. Yeah, Manon and her troop, along with Dorian, look for the Crokins. Dorian learns the la- or learns the last word key is in Morath, and Manon is attacked by a bear that is at- actually one of those Stygian spiders, which are also Valk. Uh, the spider agrees to lead them to a Crokin camp, that is being led by Glennis, Man- or Manon's great-grandmother. Uh, but the Crokins don't trust her. Gee, so wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> She's been all those years hunting them down. Yeah. So Caitlin's spirit confirms the location of the word key to Dorian. Manon and Dorian shape or Manon sees Dorian shapeshift into a raven, and she knows he is planning to go after that third word key. They have a little bit of a uh, falling out. They have a little fight there. Um, but they they do all go to the ferry and gap together. Uh, Manon asks for help from the Blue Bloods, and Manon's grandmother is their leader. And Manon and Dorian make up, and in the morning, he leaves for Morath. And Manon heads to Teresin. So that would so, be the next action. Yeah, so big things here is Dor- we learn a lot about Dorian's magic being so raw. Because it's not, it's not a specific type of magic, when he comes in contact with other magic, he can duplicate it. He can change his magic to do it. And when, he, when, he, when they meet the uh, Stygian spider who has, the, uh, who has Falcon's youth and thus got some of his his shape-shifting abilities dorian's able to reach out and feel that magic and then change his magic to be the same so now he's a shapeshifter too yeah so just showing like he can do fire because of uh Aelin. he can do you know, ice was what it was naturally and uh it's just it, it kind of paints him as not just this powerhouse but like Man, he could do anything, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, what do you then, think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I like the, I like the, um, I like the way that uh, Dorian uh, is learning stuff. I thought the it's interesting to see the development between the relationship between between Manon and Dorian um, developed, of course, in prior books, but this really continues in this book. Um, I like the fact that we do see the, the great grandmother and that the way that plays into things. So overall, I really did like the, um, I, I like this section of it. So. Mm, yeah. yeah. And their relationship is, is probably the, um, most unique of all of them because yeah. they, they clearly love each other, but both of them are like, well, I mean, our goals don't align, so we'll just have to love each other from afar, and maybe someday we'll come together. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's exactly the impression I got, is that they, uh, yeah, they were a very unlikely couple. Right. And uh, how they how they worked out what they did, I thought was, was pretty cool. 
Now, uh, but I'll tell you what, I do like the way this section of the book set up what will happen with uh, with Dorian next, because that was actually not a bad part of the book. But All right, so Adian organizes armies and Lysandra poses as Aelin. Uh, there are battles, but they don't go very well for a- uh, for Adian. Uh, the Iron Teeth witches arrive and kill 4,000 of Adian's troops, and Adian calls for aid, and the call is received by Manon. So that was just a little short section of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... By this point, Manon has the Krokens on her side, right? She's won them over. Adian's being being like, his armies are pretty much gone. But not only that, like his allies have basically like stripped him of rank and just been like, you've lost so much and you're not winning. So we don't believe your strategy is working. We're going to move on. He has a falling count, doesn't he? Yeah. And not only that, him and Lysandra are not getting along because he's still mad that Lysandra's impersonating Aelin. Um, yeah. And she's doing the best she can, but she doesn't have the magic, so even the armies are starting to like lose faith in her. So Yeah, she's actually doing more harm than good at this point. Yeah, um, right. But but they need, they need some kind of figurehead. Uh, and so that's what Lysandra is trying to do, is trying to rally the troops, but... You know, when it comes right down to it, everybody's expecting Aelin to um, step up and lay down the hammer. Mm-hmm. So, and as you say, Adian, he kind of fell out of fell out of favor there a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's, he's following the right plan, but nobody else can see it. Right. Yeah. So Maeve continues to torture Aelin. She begs for death. To end the uh, to try to end the torment, and I mean, you know, that's that's pretty bad when she's just just kill me, okay? <laughs> Enough of this. Rowan finally locates her, and he he starts to make a plan to rescue her when she escapes. Uh, but she is traumatized by the torture and captivity that she's been through. She survives. She has a rough time dealing with what she's just gotten out of. Um, her and her and uh, Rowan aren't getting together like they did before. Uh, that's the PTSD. She doesn't want to be touched. She doesn't want to be bothered. She has to work through this. Uh, Aelin and friends then go to Annie L. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, Annie L, yeah. Okay, and uh, they join Kale in defending his homeland. Uh, Lorcan is there too. He's wounded. A dam breaks, and Aelin stops the entire force from being destroyed using her magic to stop the water from coming forward. That was a pretty epic scene. That was yeah. pretty epic. I agree. I think the thing to yeah. note to note here is that all that time she was being tortured, she was storing her magic, and she has this. She's already really powerful, and she has all this magic stored up, and she's going to use it to kill Maeve, but instead she yeah. uses it to save all these people and and sacrifices that, like, killing blow worth of magic to evaporate the water and, and keep everyone from drowning. Yeah. See, all that magic, she couldn't use that when she was captured because of uh, she was surrounded by iron. Right. And iron thwarts the magic, I guess. So Kale joins up with Aelin, and they head for Terrison. Okay, this is a, one of the cooler parts. Dorian arrives in Morath and disguises himself as a mouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maeve is not fooled and captures him anyway. Uh, they have the they have some back and forth and back and forth. And I'm going to do this. No, you're going to not going to do that. I'm going to do this, and uh, you know, and all this stuff. And then uh, he he finally gets away. And finds the third word key and gets it. Um, he leaves Morath with all three keys, and as he's leaving, he completely destroys Morath. Yeah. 
uh, another epic epic scene of destruction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I like this part. It's going to go on my one of my favorite plot points for sure. Yeah. So everyone gathers for the final battles. Manon is injured as uh, as a large as large battle towers are brought into place. Okay. They're all destroyed except for one. Okay. And these battle towers apparently are quite devastating. And the one that's left needs to be taken out. Manon is not able to do this because she, she's injured. And I believe Abraxos was injured also, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Manon's Lieutenant, you remember her name? I don't. Unfortunately, uh, I, can't I don't remember. Oh, let me see if I can find it. I hate it when I forget. There were oh, think, so many characters. Yeah, there were a lot. Anyway, uh, she takes the remaining eleven and herself, uh, Manon's lieutenant, and destroys this uh siege tower and uh they all die yeah i, I love mean, one of my one of my favorite scenes i mean i hated it happening but i love that scene i know because i agree because you know when we started reading this and we first came in on we weren't sure well we were sure she was evil and then we find out she isn't so evil and her people are uh willing to do what they need to do to win a battle, uh, including laying down their lives. And that was, that was a great scene too. Okay. I was sad when, when they, when they did that. Yeah. So Dorian, yeah. Dorian arrives with the keys, the word keys. They need to forge the lock. Dorian's father appears and offers to do it. The gods arrive. And I, I didn't realize there were gods involved here. Uh, is that something new? No, they were in the other books. Like one time they possessed Aelin, and they've told oh, them a couple right. times. Given that okay. they told them what they had to do. Yeah. Told them about the well, law. They, <laughs> they try to escape through a word gate. Aelin sends the gods to the hellscape. Uh and then they forge the lock, and Erewhon and Maeve are destroyed. Are yeah, Erewhon and Maeve are destroyed, and the enemies all drop dead. As soon as Maeve and Erewhon are gone, all the Valg die. Uh, it's uh, so the, these things they happen pretty far apart from each other. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. the. Because the, the, the word lock thing happens like in the, in the middle of the book rather than at the, exactly at the end. But uh, she does more than just send the gods to the hellscape. She sends them to their home world. And then before she locks the door, she opens a giant portal to the hellscape and lets all the, all the hellish things in and leaves the portal open and locks them there. That's right. So she yeah. destroys their world. She doesn't just torture these people. She destroys their like entire home world um yeah right doing that so it's really really addictive but there's also a lot of like alternate realities that she falls through and learning about like where the fae come from another dimension as well and uh, that kind of stuff as she's kind of falling back to reality um and surviving this thing um and then again, everybody lives happily ever after. Um, I, and I knew, David, you would fill in those, some of those gaps. I mean, it's been a while for me, and my memory <laughs> just isn't what it used to be. Uh, it was a really good job. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, this is trying to put 900 pages of text into... 150 words. <laughs> uh, flashbacks from Dune and 10. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. yeah. That's what that was like, my word. So uh, let's, I uh, guess, the next, move on to the next section here. Have, uh, Favorite points of plot? Yeah. Who wants to go first? 
Well, if I go oh, first, I'm, if I go first, I'm going to steal Jim's. <laughs> no, and actually, we kind of mentioned this. One of my the sacrifices of thirteen that development of I think when I think I have to look at this as the entire series, right? Um, the development of the witches was really a fantastic journey. Um, from the way they stood up with Manon against her grandmother and then uh, fought here at the end, uh, they ended up in some ways being some of my favorite characters in the book. Uh, maybe not the most favorite, but I think their change and the way they kind of went with things really worked for me. Mm. But Yeah. I said the sacrifice of the 13 is my favorite point of plot in this book. Uh, Abraxos is injured and has a return to their base to heal at the same time. Morath is managed to repair the third uh, tower and is being sent on Orinth's walls. And Manon, Manon is grounded and cannot help. Astrin and the 13 attack the tower by themselves and manage to destroy it. Uh, the Black Beak Matron and a good size of Morath's army by making the uh, yielding. So this kills them all. All of the, the yeah, uh, very sad. I mean, that was quite a quite a sacrifice. How about those siege towers, though? Where they're dropping the witches oh, in to unleash their primal energy? Yeah, the mirrors to enhance yeah. it and fire it out. That's crazy. That's almost a scientific kind of idea there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. For me, my favorite part was definitely the closing of the of the gate and uh, forming the key. Dorian's discovery that his father doesn't have a name. And that no one ever realized that he didn't have a name because it was erased from everyone's that conscious memory. And uh, even even Dorian's father couldn't remember what his name was. Um, still a lot of the stuff in there, the sacrifice uh, that Dorian's father makes to, so that he can escape. How it kind of takes their powers and away and makes these... We've been building up to these super powerful characters, then to have them lose their superpowers before... The grand finale. Um, also, I really enjoyed the gods showing up again and kind of being like the whole time they're like, oh, we're guiding you and you're doing this to help us and we're going to do all these things for you. Only for the gods to just turn around and be like, nah, we're not going to do anything for you. We don't care <laughs> about you. And we're just we're just leaving. Like, screw you. And and then the way that she gets back at them by basically just destroying their world, like by opening that hell, the portal to the hellscape and stuff, so I thought this. I thought that was just a really cool place to go with the lore, um, and I, and I was really surprised how you know it was in the middle of the book instead of the end or or two thirds of the way through or whatever. But um, I thought that made because I was getting a little bit bored, and I think that kind of really spiced it up for me. And the rest of the like, it, it took me to a place where I was like, well, this this story is no longer as predictable as I thought because they're not just going to, it's not going to be everyone comes together and Aelin just, you know, everybody join hands, time to burn everything away. You know, Kumbaya. It's be much more complex than that. So, yeah. All right. Uh, do we have any quotes for this? I have some, here? I I do have some quotes. Jim, do you have any quotes? I do. Why don't you share yours first, and then I'll go. Okay, well, this first one I thought was very Klingon, so it <laughs> resonated with it resonated with me. Uh, it's, let's make this fight worthy of a song. And I'm, I don't remember who said it, but I like that one. Uh, another one that I came up with is uh, Manon speaking. You are my people. Whether my grandmother decrees it or not, you are my people. And always will be. But I will fly against you if need be to ensure that there is a future for those who cannot fight for it themselves. Too long have we prayed on the weak, 
relish and relish doing so. It is time that we became better than our foremothers. The words she had given me 13 months ago. There is a better world out there, she said again, and I will fight for it. She turned Abraxas away toward the plunge behind them. Will you? They, they really hark on this. There's a better world thing, too, that kind of becomes they their do. mantra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I would have to agree. There is there anything would be better than what these people live through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is that it? Yep, that's it. All right. So my quotes are this. There are no gods left to watch. I'm afraid, and there are no gods left to help you now, ailing Galathinius. Aelin smiled, and, and Goldrin burned brighter. I am a god. I love that. I love the definitive of this, and I thought it was beautiful done. Beautifully done. Um, and then this one with Rowan. To whatever end, he whispered. Silver lined her eyes, to whatever end. A reminder and a vow more sacred than the wedding oaths they'd sworn on that ship. To walk the paths together back from the darkness of the iron coffin to face what waited in terrace and ancient promises, the gods be damned. Hmm. All righty. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to our closing thoughts and ratings here. Um, let's give it your, you know, uh, how, what's your rating out of five? And now that we're done the series, uh, do you have an overall rating for the series, and would you uh, would you recommend this to a fantasy person? If you you were talking to someone, and they were just like, "I really enjoy fantasy," would this be one of the books you brought up? One of the series. Start with you, Scott. Um, so I'm actually going to give a um, can I give two number ratings? I'm going to give a rating for the book and a rating for the series. Or did you yeah, ask yeah, me yeah. to do that? Yeah. So yeah, so like. Yeah. Um, Rating for the book, I mean, it was it was a really good conclusion when we look at the series overall. Um, I gave it a four out of five. I think this uh, it holds together really well. It wraps up. It ties up all the loose ends. And sure, was it a bit long? Absolutely. Could there have been two books and we could have gotten another podcast out of it? Absolutely. Um, and Jim would have loved it. Um, but but regardless of that. Um, and to be honest, just on a side t- t- tangent there, you know, they, he, she could have ended them with, you know, closing the door. Right. And then we had the second half of the book, but well, she opted not to do that. Um, so four out of five for this book, as far as series go, um, this is difficult to pinpoint. I want to give it like a three or a 3.5 out of five. Um, but pulling it as a series is hard because there were certain books, I think of especially the first and third books for me, that I probably ranked up there toward four, maybe a five. I don't know what my rankings were, but but especially the first one really resonated with me. But I think that the series did go on a bit long for me personally. And then as to whether I would recommend this for uh, someone who was into fantasy – if you are, I think, I think there are books that I would recommend over this. Like I would, like if you were to, like if you were to say, hey, you know, I'm looking for a fantasy book. This would not be the first book I would recommend. Like I'd probably jump into like um, Bone and Ash. You were talking Blood and Ash. You were talking about Jim earlier. Uh, I'm a Reddit, but I heard good things. I'd probably recommend that. Um, uh, the um, Something of the orange tree, the Priory of the Orange Tree. Like I'd recommend that one over it. Um, definitely uh the name of the wind series, the King Killer Chronicles. Like those books I would recommend way before I'd recommend Sarah J. Moss. Um, but that being said, like if you haven't read it and you read the others I didn't mention, uh pick up the first book, see what you think, and make a good judgment call and uh make your own judgment. Don't just take us in the podcast because we've gone through eight books on it um and 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 we're and we're kind of maybe tired of the series don't take that as a judgment like make your own judgment for it um the first book's definitely good and then make the, the cause to whether you want to read the rest that's my thoughts jim 
right. So <clears throat> I'm I'm giving it a three. And I think I'm being rather generous. But at the <laughs> outset I said I <laughs> at the outset I said I hated every page of this, but that's not true. All right. There were parts of this book that I did appreciate, uh, parts in, of the book that I really enjoyed. And, but there was an awful lot of fluff in here, stuff that, uh, that I just, you know, gosh, I got to get through this. I got to get through this, um, before the next, the next big thing comes. So it's not horrible. It's not great. Uh, I read it and, um, I, I don't think, I just don't feel like I was enriched by it very much. All right. As far as recommending this as a series, uh, if you recall way back at the beginning, when we started reading these, I, I was really enthusiastic about them and it went downhill from there. Um, I would not put any of these books into the hands of a 14 year old. <laughs> well, okay. book, book, book five is perfect in a sex education class. With everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just I, I I just think it's a little too uh racy for young people and we've got these books in our library at school. That's what's really scary. Okay. And the library is for K twelve students. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, based on uh -huh. what they you know, considering what they already see in the internet, Jim, come on. Uh, I guess, yeah, you might. You have a point there. <laughs> uh, would I recommend this to someone that is eighteen, nineteen, somewhere in there? Sure, I would say, I would say they may, they may really enjoy it. As far as fantasy is concerned, remember, I'm not a big fantasy fan, and it's, it's got to be really, really good uh, for me. But I'd say, sure, give it a shot. As Scott says, read the first book and make up your own mind but it was just that first book where where she was uh an assassin and the best assassin and all that stuff it that just all went away and that is the theme that drew me into the series at the beginning was her her being an assassin and being sent out to do these things that uh, in the second book she didn't do and almost almost got in trouble for it. Well, yeah. did get in trouble for it. Right. And then that just kind of, that thread just kind of dropped. So there it is. <laughs> there you go. Fair assessment, fair assessment. Well, I'll give this book a four. I, I, I really did enjoy a lot of it. I thought it, 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 it definitely concluded things in a very satisfactory way and at the same time even though i felt a little fatigue with this series as we've gone along um at the end of this book i was almost kind of like oh man like there's a little bit now there's a bunch of things i'm, I'm interested in but i guess that's good writing so that she can write spinoffs or whatever but you know i definitely i'm done with aelin like i don't need to know about what's going on with her but Manon's story and Dorian's and, and, you know, that kind of stuff really interested me. And just, you know, some of the things they introduced at the Crockins and, and, and stuff like that really got me interesting. So uh, I'd give it a four. Um, now for the series, I would definitely recommend this um, to a young reader, uh, you know, late teens, early twenties. I would definitely recommend it to a female reader uh, for sure. Um, but uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to rank this like super high on my list of fantasy series, unless someone's looking for like a long fantasy series, uh, then this might be one of the ones that I, I'd recommend or, or like a medium or medium length series or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I would definitely recommend it, but it would be uh, very pinpoint in who I recommended it to. Mm. Overall, I'd probably give the series a 3.5. So. 3.5. That seems fair. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, 
for the three between the three of us, uh, we have a rating of three point seven. Yeah, which so is, I, I guess, you know, yeah, it's hard because you, you have to take eight books as a whole and look at it. And there were books yeah. in there that I probably ranked four point five, if not a five, right? Mm-hmm. So. So, well, that brings us to the conclusion of uh, Throne of Glass and Kingdom of Ash and Sarah J. Mass as a whole here. There are more books in this series. There's a bunch of prequels and short stories and stuff. So if you enjoyed this book, I, I do encourage you to go on and read read more and support the author and, and uh, enjoy yourself. As for us, we're going to be moving on to fantasy next time, and I believe the next book we're reading is... <laughs> we're going to move away from fantasy. <laughs> Golden Sun by Pierce Brown, which is the second book in the... What is the name of this series? Uh, Red Rising was the first one. Right. Uh, is that, it's just the Red Rising series? No, it has a name. I can't remember what it is. Um, but uh, Mercury or Mars, something like that. Um but yeah, it's the, it's the second book in the trilogy, uh, starting with Red Rising, Golden Sun by Pierce Brown. So uh, if you, you want to be a part of that show, of course, the best way to do that is to go ahead and shoot us an email uh, at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Um, of course, if you'd like, you can call our voicemail and leave a message. Scott, what's that number? One two six zero five seven seven chat That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. So we have uh, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the orbital sword, as well as Twitter at orbital sword. And of course you can find all our links to everything going on over at orbital sword.com. Um, and a very big thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon and checks out what we're doing there. Uh, this has been a crazy journey through Sarah J. Mass's world, but we're on to do bigger and crazier things. Plus, you know, we're getting closer and closer to Dune, so there's going to be more crossovers with the Dune Saga podcast. Absolutely. Which is, uh, where we started off. I'm looking forward to all that. Graphic kind of novel stuff. coming out, man. Oh, boy. There you go. So, that brings us to the end. Once again, with the Orbital Sword, I'm David Bolton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on the Orbital Sword. I go to the sky I will always see your smile I will always see your smile You're the angel If I fall from the fire I'll get caught with your love I'll get caught with your love You're my I will never try to get cold inside, never get away, cause I will miss you, I will never say I'm too tired today to enjoy your smile, cause I will miss you. Yeah, yeah.
will miss you.